0: We are just starting a series called the the Three Journeys, and this is the name of the series. But really, the whole year, all of 2017, is about spiritual growth. What does that look like, and how do you do it? And we attack it from three different fronts, or three different journeys, if you want to say that. The inward journey, which is really maturing in who you are in God. The upward journey, which is maturing in your understanding of God. Thank you, wow. Thank you Justin. That's all right, technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. One moment. Okay, excellent. We're adjusting on the fly. And the outward journey is the third one, which is your relationship to the rest of the world. We are in the inward journey right now. We're going to spend four months on it. And today's message is about the necessity of silence. Silence. Who was here last week for the necessity of solitude? Excellent, lots of people. Last week, remember... We mentioned that we were talking through this book, one of my favorites, called Way of the Heart. This is by a guy named Henry Nowen. If you've heard of Henry Nowen, you probably like him. I hope you do. I sure like some of his works. And this is my favorite, The Way of the Heart. This book is instructive on how to take the inward journey. I figured we're talking about the inward journey. It would be a really good idea to give people tips and tricks on how to actually do it. And this book is chock full of them. This book is a correction. Don't read this book. I had a friend that I really love. He's wise, he's smart, he loves the Lord. I gave him this book thinking it was going to blow his mind. He was going to love it. He was going to come back and say, this is life-changing. And he said, I hate this book. Why do you hate this book? He says, well, there's nothing about community. It's all about, you know, getting alone and being by yourself. And I'm like, oh man, you missed it. No, it's, it's not telling you to go be a monk. It's a correction to our busy, frazzled, overly hyped modern life. And it is intentionally reminding us of some ancient disciplines that we need to hear. And if that sounds good to you, you might be an introvert and one of my favorite people. (laughs) The inward journey that we're in now, that we're trying to give some instructions for, deals with these main questions. Who am I? What is my identity? How do I take on the character of God? And it involves changing behaviors and beliefs that are not godly. Read that. Getting rid of sinful stuff in your life. Sin is definitely not godly. All of that is part of the inward journey. Last week, we focused on what happens in solitude. Remember, this book is about some guys called the Desert Fathers who went out into the wilderness in Egypt about 300 A.D. And these guys thought that solitude wasn't a vacation. Solitude was where you went and met God, did battle with the false self, and the new self emerged. So solitude was a very busy place. It was more of a, a forge and a furnace than you know a therapy session for the Desert Fathers. And we talked about that being the discipline that we need to intentionally recapture. Today, we're gonna to talk about making solitude real and portable. Portable solitude. Does that sound intriguing? Yeah, I know. I'm intrigued as well, and this is my message. How are you going to make solitude portable, Pastor Anthony? Well, we'll find out. But we need to say some things about silence first. If I may, I want to offer a disclaimer about this chapter. Marlene, you've read this book, right? You said you love Nowin. This is the one chapter in the book where I feel if you don't have a bent towards appreciating intentionally mystic language, this chapter may rub you the wrong way. Because he says some things, and I'm thinking to myself, Henry, why don't you talk normal? You know, and this is the, the one chapter in the book where I'm thinking, just say it like normal people will understand it. Why are you, why are you talking that way? But if you are bent towards that way and you, you like, you know, kind of mystic, spiritual, out there things, you might just love this chapter the most. But I have done my best to make this common man language and, and say what he intends. Hey, you're welcome. Awesome. So, what is silence? Well, here's some quotes from the book. Silence completes and intensifies solitude. Silence is the way to make solitude a reality. And silence is solitude practiced in action. If you have a PhD in literature, you will look at this and notice immediately. Maybe a little more schooling than that. You'd have to be an expert. And you would see that there's a link between silence and solitude. I know a lot of us missed that. But you know, they're definitely they go hand in hand, and in fact, this book builds on different themes. So let's talk about this thing called silence. First of all, we are not talking about going into a nice, quiet room. This silence that we're talking about is not about the world around you. it's about you. This is our silence. Second, not talking might be the obvious thing that this means, but that's really only one dimension. And thirdly, This is my attempt to define, in layman's terms, what he means by silence. Silence is when we are not producing any noise. And we're going to unpack that in just a little bit. But we're going to start with the most obvious aspect of us not producing noise, and that is, who can guess, not talking. Not talking. So I've decided to title this section, Why to Shut Up. And then I decided, this is church, I can't say that, so I decided to call it, Why to Abstain from Speaking. Yes, which is a nice, much nicer way to say it. Why you should be quiet. Here we go, you guys ready for this? Yes. The Desert Fathers, the, the monks that this book is studying, they understood that talking easily leads to trouble. Talking in general... We're going to talk about some concepts today that are all over the Bible that we've just kind of thrown out in our modern age. And this is one of them. Talking itself easily leads to trouble. Are you guys ready for some verses on this? Yes, yes Pastor Anthony. So good. Awesome. All right, here we go. This is from Psalm 39. King David is praying and he says, I said I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good. He decides, I'm just not going to say anything. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything anything at at all. But he said, even if I do have something nice to say, safest course of action, don't say anything. Next few verses, he says, I couldn't contain myself and I had to speak. But do you know in what context he speaks? Prayer. He holds his peace until he can talk safely to God. Let's look at another one. When there are many words, sin is... What's that next word? Unavoidable. Unavoidable, But the one who controls his lips is wise. Unavoidable. Wow, that's pretty strong. Let's look at another one. This is Jesus. I tell you on the day of judgment... People will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be judged. And by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Our words matter. So far, how are we feeling about running at the mouth all day? It's starting to seem almost dangerous, is it not? A little bit, and I think that that's the intention here. We're trying to recapture a forgotten discipline, and that is... Not saying everything that crosses your mind. Here's the biggie. This is from James. And I'm going to read this off the big screen. I apologize for the small font on this one. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Harsh, James. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. The first lesson that we need to take with us for silence, and I know this doesn't seem like it's going to go towards making solitude portable yet, but hang on, we're getting there. But the first lesson we need to realize is it's sometimes best, maybe oftentimes best, just not to talk, to hold our tongue. This is wisdom. This is wisdom. So the tongue gets us into trouble easily. What's another reason that we should abstain from speaking? The Desert Fathers understood that talking somehow depletes us. Now maybe not everyone has experienced this. I have. Maybe it's a personality type thing. I'm not sure. But I have definitely understood this. They give a wonderful analogy for how talking depletes you on the inside. And that analogy is this. Do you guys know what that is? That's a sauna, man. That is one of my favorite things on planet Earth. Actually, right now at the gym I'm in, we have a steam room, we don't have a sauna. But some days that's the activity. I'll just get like the biggest water I can find and like hang out. I don't know why I love it so much. You know, when it's 99 degrees and high humidity outside, we all complain. And yet I'll drive 15 minutes to go sit in the steam room. It makes no sense at all. It makes no sense, but it's, it's glorious. But they talk about how A sauna or a steam room is only good if it's hot. hot. It's only good if it's hot. Listen to this quote by a guy named Diadokos of Photiki. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I know it. When the door of the steam bath is, is continually left open, the heat inside rapidly escapes through it. Likewise, the soul, in its desire to say many things, dissipates its remembrance of God through the door of speech. Whoa. He goes on to say that you might even be saying good things, but if you keep venting that inner fire, if you keep spewing out, eventually you're literally going to, well, figuratively, going to run out of steam. This, all the this steam's going out of the steam room. What is the only way to get the steam room hot and steamy again? It's to shut the door, right? Man, it's irritating when people are always going in and out of that thing. You know? The Desert Fathers understood if you want to stay full of the fire and the, the fullness of God, you're going you're to cherish that. You're not going to leave your door open all the time. You are going to guard that inner fire, and you're going to guard it carefully. If that seems a little out there, you, you've never experienced talking too much and then leaving the conversation and feeling somehow drained in a way you can't quite place, then you know, you're forgiven. But if you have, this is ringing oddly true, is it not? I'm seeing a few nods. Brave souls, thank you. Perhaps mystics in training. I don't know. Read the book. <laughs> this is massively countercultural. This next sentence is huge. I'm gonna say it, it's on the recording. You guys ready? Communication is not always good. It is I know it's crazy. It's one of my pet peeves when people think or say or post on Facebook, we just need a dialogue. We just need an open, honest conversation. We need to have the conversation. You know, sometimes the last thing you need to do is have the conversation. And a lot of times what you actually need to do is abstain from speaking in air quotes. And you guys all know what I mean by that, right? Okay, good. I made it obvious in the beginning. These things, who recognizes these symbols here? We have Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram. All of these are doors. And we are hemorrhaging inner fire. So that most of the time, there is nothing left. You don't have to talk. Did you know that? I mean, if you want to build a relationship, it's kind of necessary. But I feel like there's a lot of people that I wish could get this message. You don't have to say that. I don't need to know what you had for breakfast. Henry Nouwen actually says that our obsession with communication is more compulsive than virtuous. We is more compulsive than virtuous. That is huge. Guard the inner fire. Be careful how much and why you communicate. Is this good? Yes. yes. I felt like that was an Aaron Mueller moment. Here's another one. Often we come home from a sharing session. Henry Nowen has a thing about sharing sessions, by the way. Look, you would enjoy that tangent if you're liking this. Often we come home from a sharing session with a feeling that something precious has been taken from us or that holy ground has been trodden upon. Let me go back to that. That something has been taken from us or that holy ground has been trodden upon. You know, it's interesting. People occasionally ask me about dating advice. I didn't think I was that old. I still don't. But, and married, maybe that makes me qualified. And one of the things I was told when I was dating, and I, I thought that it was just absolutely ridiculous, and uh, my kind of big brother slash mentor in the faith, a guy named Seth Gerber, if you know him, he's great, he said things like, don't give your heart away when you're dating. And he warned me about something called, how did he even say it? Emotional immorality. I'm like, what are you even talking about? I'm like, that's crazy. Like, I want to get to know this person. He's like, no, you got to be careful, man. He's like, don't give away your heart the deepest parts of yourself, your deepest longings, your deepest fears, your deepest desires. You know, you don't read a girl all of your poetry that you've ever written in your life on the first date. You intentionally hold back. You guard that core of yourself. And I said, man, that's crazy. Who does that? Nobody does that. Look, do that. Do that. Guard that inner fire. Guard that core. That's why when we lay it all out there, Emotionally or in communication, we feel robbed. We feel cheated. You've let someone or something or even social media have access to that interfere and it probably wasn't appropriate. Is that good? Yes. Is that resonating? All right. So you don't have to talk. Don't let Twitter tell you that you have to tweet. <laughs> Preach. Somebody tell you know who. All right. Moving <laughs> on. The Desert Fathers understood that overcommunication deprived words of their power. Oh man, I'm going to read a paragraph that Henry Nolan wrote that I think is just brilliant. Recently, I was driving through Los Angeles and suddenly I had the strange sensation of driving through a huge dictionary. Wherever I looked, there were words, words trying to take my eyes from the road. They said, Use me, take me, buy me, drink me, smell me, touch me, kiss me, sleep with me. In such a world, who can maintain respect for words? So the Desert Fathers knew that if you want your words to be valuable, they will come from a heart that has guarded its inner fire, and you won't be too verbose all the time. You know, it'll be like sniper bullets. You only need one. This is another thought from now on. It's as if we are not sure God's Spirit can touch the heart of people. We have to help Him out and with many words convince others of His power. But it is precisely this wordy unbelief that quenches the fire. Our first and foremost task is faithfully to care for the inward fire so that when it is really needed, it can offer warmth and light to lost travelers. Guard the inner fire. And this same thought is echoed by the Apostle Paul himself, who in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians said, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the Christ, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. There's a reason I'm not trying to put together this amazingly dramatic, verbose argument. I want to speak simply so the cross can speak for itself. A few verses earlier, he said he lets God back up his words. He's like, God's confirming my testimony in you and I think that's great. He left room for God by not saying too much himself. When you do this, when you guard the inner fire, when you see the opening and you're like, this is the time, my words need to serve their purpose now and you let them go, this verse describes that. A word fitly spoken It's like apples of gold and a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. And you better believe this encounter won't leave you feel cheated, and it will leave the listener feeling bettered. It will, every time. Silence. Don't talk so much. This is the first and most basic dimension of this discipline that we have to recapture. And here are the reasons why, to recap. Because talking easily leads to sin. Because talking too much depletes the inner fire. And because wordiness devalues words. But Anthony, none of this tells me how to better solitude and make my solitude portable. And I thought that was the whole point. We're not done. We have an intermission in another 45 minutes, and we're going to get to it. That. that was a joke today, but don't push me. I like books. There's another key dimension of silence as the Desert Fathers understood it. This is a great quote coming up. Abba Poman said, A man may appear to be silent, but if his heart is condemning others, he is babbling ceaselessly. But there may be another who talks from morning till night, and yet he is truly silent. And this is one of the moments when if this kind of intentional mystic language drives you nuts, you'll be very frustrated with Henry Nouwen, all of the Desert Fathers You want nothing to do with the desert, and it'll be difficult to read the book. But just like they're not talking about what we're talking about when they say solitude, they're not talking about silence like we're talking about silence. They mean something much deeper and richer and all-encompassing than don't talk. That's only part of it. They mean silence of the heart. And this is the critical link between solitude. Remember, the solitude is the place of encounter with God where your old self is battled and defeated and the new self is allowed to emerge victorious. Solitude is where you fight that battle. Silence is the critical link between... I'm sorry, silence of the heart is the link between solitude and silence. This silence is not emptiness and absence, but fullness and presence. Not the human silence of embarrassment, shame, or guilt, but the divine silence in which love rests secure. The fullness and presence of what? Of God himself. When you are silent on the inside... All of the noise dissipates and you are aware of the full presence of God's spirit inside you. And you rest secure in the fact that that love is there. When St. Anthony went into the wilderness and struggled for 20 years with his own iniquity, he dove into the abyss of what it means to be a fallen human being. This is what saved him. Resting in the love of God and realizing that God really was with him. Let's unpack this a little bit. This silence is an internal stillness, and it's related to, although Henry and Nowen never says it explicitly, it's related maybe even the same thing as the peace of God. Here's Paul. Do not be anxious about anything, and let me just say this. Anxiety is internal noise. Silence is when we're not producing any noise. If you're anxious, you're very noisy, even if you're not speaking. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God, just like the first verse that we read. David held his peace until prayer. In prayer, he let it all hang out. This is what we're supposed to do. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is silence of heart. The silence of heart that God gives kicks anxiety's butt. God's peace is a militant peace that overcomes things that cause turmoil. God's peace is the peace that sees the wavy ocean and makes it still. It's not a peace that merely removes the wind and then waits until the waves settle down on their own. God's peace presses it down and makes it flat. This is internal stillness. That's what it means to rest in the fullness and the presence and the love of God. The silence of the desert allows portable solitude because that portable solitude is the fullness and the presence of God with you and your awareness of that. Here's another quote. Lots of quotes from the book. Silence is above all a quality of heart that can stay with us even in our conversations. It is a portable cell that we carry wherever we go. From it we speak to those in need, and to it we return when our words have borne fruit. And we have to remember what he means by solitude. That's the encounter with God. He's saying that with this internal peace, with this deep stillness and this aware, resting in awareness of God's presence and fullness, resting in his love, you carry your encounter with you. You're carrying your solitude. You're living in it. It's like like a cell, not to keep you in prison, but to keep you safe from all the noise and the distractions of the world. It's a wonderful place. And if you master silence, external and internal, you should be able to carry it. Last quote from the book. This is St. Anthony. He spent 20 years alone in the wilderness. Anthony's life, after he emerged from his period of total isolation, was blessed by a rich and varied ministry. People from many walks of life came to him and asked for advice. The solitude that at first had required physical isolation had now become a quality of his heart, an inner disposition that could no longer be disturbed by those who needed his guidance. His solitude had become an infinite space into which anyone could be invited. When he came back, He brought his peace, he brought his stillness, he brought the presence of God, he brought the encounter with him. And people noticed it so much that they wanted advice from somebody who lived in that place. That's why they saw Anthony out. How do you see my life from there? What does my situation look like from peace, from quiet, from an encounter with God? And he told them, and he became famous for it. And he actually loved solitude so much that at the very end of his life, he died at 106. He decided he was going to go the way he wanted to go, and he went right back out in the desert, completely alone. It sounds horrible to probably everybody else in this room, but Anthony loved God so much that he thought, I'm over 100 years old. I'm going to go out the way I want to, and I want to go out in God's presence. He loved this silence and this solitude so much. What's touching, actually. Challenge time. Enough being touched. Who's ready for a challenge? Good. All right. I heard that, Grant. I heard that. Oh, <laughs> I'll be asking you about this later. Point one. Ask God if you talk too much. This is really easy. And sometimes if we talk too much we instantly know it. But sometimes it's a mystery to us. So pray and ask God. Do I talk too much? If you know you're prone to sin with your words, commit to stopping. I wrote commit to stopping instead of stop it because some of these things take a little bit of time. They just do. It's a refining process. You know, so just say, hey, God, you know what? I'm, I'm not okay continuing this trend. I'm going to commit to stopping. And then just don't stop stopping until you've stopped. Make sense? It's like quitting smoking. <laughs> Only quitters quit before they have quit. You got to keep quitting until you quit. Simple, easy. Next one. Ask yourself why you share so much or so little of your inner fire. Are you the type of person, and I've known both types, that you don't have any inner fire left because all of the doors are hanging open all the time? Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, anybody you encounter, every stranger on the street. You are not a stranger to anyone intentionally, and everybody knows all your business from the time you could talk until your plans in the future. Are you that person? Or are you the person who has so much inner fire and maybe an attitude problem, you just don't want to share it? Because why should they hear what you have to say? Or maybe you doubt that your inner fire is valuable, so you just never, ever bring it up. Maybe there's a confidence issue there, and that God has blessed you with wisdom beyond your years, and you just have a love and a passion and insight, and it's bursting at the seams to get out like the prophet Jeremiah burning in your bones, and for some reason you lock the door. Well, you need to ask God if that's you, and you need to start speaking those words that are going to change people's lives. Okay? Seek God until the inner noise becomes silent in his presence. I asked you last week, find a desert, make a time, make a place. Put this solitude thing into practice. Intentionally encounter God and intentionally dismantle the fake you that we all keep trying to create. Do it intentionally. Well, this one is like that. Stay in God's presence until the inner noise quiets down. And if you can do that, let me just say, I'm in the middle of a media fast. I'm actually doing this. It's been two weeks tomorrow, no YouTube, no podcasts. That's pretty much all I do. I don't have a TV. But I just got so sick of everyone else's voices playing in my mind and my heart. I needed to detox. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It is so much easier now to be still. But I'm at this next one. This is the challenge part that I'm at personally, and I, I encourage you guys all to be here with me. Let's try to carry our solitude with us. And what do we mean by that? I'm using Nawan's language. But I mean let's try to live in that encounter with God. Live in the reality of His imminence everywhere we go. And rest secure in His love. The fullness of His presence. And let's have that at Walmart. Let's have it at Target. If you go to Target, I don't know, wherever you go. Let's live in it. That's the challenge. Let's stand up and close.